Hello, Texans. Welcome to the program here on the Hyundai Texans radio studio where I am trapped currently because the Taylor Swift concert is about to start and I have not gotten out of the building yet, so pray for me. But maybe I should just sneak down the hall, Johnny. What if Taylor Swift, John Harris with us, by the way, of course. Good evening, everyone. What if Taylor Swift sees me and says, do you play guitar? And I'll say, yes, I do. And I'll end up on stage with her. But here's the problem. I won't know any of her songs. Like, I could play, even if it was Joni Mitchell, if it was Carly Simon, I could probably fake my way through Your Soul Vein. I don't know any Taylor Swift stuff. I can't do Shake It Off. Maybe I could fake my way through that. I don't know. What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, I think you could probably do that, but you don't turn down the opportunity. No. You know, I mean, you, you jump at the opportunity and maybe you just say to her, hey, give me a chord to play or give me something. But, yeah, you don't. You don't turn that away. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, I would come up with some sort of draft comparison, but I'm no, I, I, I won't. No, you 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 absolutely without a shadow of a doubt would do that. And uh, whatever you would need from me to be able to make sure you could do that, I would do. Because I think that would be really, really cool. I heard this the other day, Mark. I, I don't know if this is true, but I, I have a feeling it is. That tickets now NRG holds how many? Well, I, when it comes to that concert, I don't know because can they do they count the people on the floor? Do they are people on the floor? Yeah, it's are people all the way to the top. Like I don't know how you count it. But right. Let's say just seventy five thousand people. Yep. Three nights. I've heard that the cheapest ticket is six hundred fifty bucks. Yep. Crazy. That that's unbelievable. That's why I asked the general. This is like a Super Bowl of concerts, right? You have three nights in a football stadium with this performer. I asked the general his, you know, big-time concerts that he's been to. He said Led Zeppelin. Now, I'm old enough to say that Led Zeppelin was my first ever concert. I was 13 years old, 1977, Madison Square Garden, opening night. I had to have opening night. I got it, and I was a Zepp freak as a kid. They did six nights at Madison Square Garden, which at the time was ridiculously a lot, right? But here you have... Taylor Swift doing three nights at a football stadium. It's huge and good for her being able to get this kind of crowd. I know Ed Sheeran's coming in. I think Beyonce as well. But look, my biggest act here is Texans football, baby. September, here we go. And it's draft night on Thursday. Johnny, we're inside a week to go. One week from tonight, we'll be in rounds two and three. It's going to be awesome. Right now, we'll be in round two, one week from tonight. I am so excited about this. And I thought tonight, Johnny, since it's Friday, been a lot of talk, a lot of mock drafts. Let's just kind of settle down here. Let's quiet the noise a little bit. and Let's talk about some of the things they need to get accomplished. There's been so much talk, so much hand-wringing about the quarterback position. And I'm doing a lot of it myself. <laughs> it's an important position we all know that it's the most important position, but there are other positions as well. And one of the things that's floating around out there, and it's a fan media kind of thing, would the Texans possibly take Bijan Robinson if he's there at 12? He could go before that. He could go to the Lions. He could go to the Eagles. He could go before that. But what if he's there, Johnny? You already have Damian Pierce. You just signed Devin Singletary. Is he too good a football player to pass up at 12 if he's available right there? I've thought about this one for a while. Um, when draft when draft season really you know hit kind of February ish. Um, I'm trying to remember when that was, but I went into studio, Sports Radio 610. I can't remember. You were out for some reason. It was just me, so I went into studio and I just decided, you know, I'm gonna take calls. 
probably the best way to do this. And so as I was walking in, Ron, the show Hughley and, and Clint Stern were walking out and show saw me and he was like, Hey, I wanted to, I wanted to see your thoughts. And I was like, okay. Um, and they're like, B. John Robinson at 12. And as soon, I mean, I have, I've thought um, about as much about everything as I possibly could. And I said, Ron, here's the only, here's the only reason I wouldn't do it. And it's not because you have Damian Pierce. I think it's because at that position, at that spot, when you think about what could be available versus what's available later, I think there's depth in the running back class that you can get a little bit down the road. It's not going to be B. So let's say Bijan's a 10 and say, I don't know, Tajay Spears is an eight, eight and a half. You can get him, I think, a little bit later, but I don't think you can get an eight and a half, the equivalent of an edge later on. I think there are some good players, but I don't know if there's one, say, as good as Tajay Spears, and teams are just going to kind of push down running backs. But here's one thing that I, I, when I went back and I looked at the NFL rushing stats, now this is just the easy stat. It's not like DVOA or war or anything like that. This is just pure rushing yards. But I think the comparison is something to think about. Back in 2021, there were nine running backs that ran for over 1,000 yards. Nine. Mm -hmm. Had Damian finished the year, there would have been 18 in 2022. Yep. And the reason I use 2021 as a comparison, obviously it's the year before, but it's also a 17-game season. So you went from nine to 18. So you're seeing the offense's adjustment to big nickel, dime. You're going to play light in the box. You're going to play light linebackers. We're going to hit you with the run game. And I'm not going to say that everything goes and reverts back to 1970s football because the rules do still allow for uh, the passing game, whereas prior to 1978, they didn't. It was just a mall session. That isn't going to happen. You're not going to get away with that. So you're never going to get back to that sort of thing. You're never going to get back to 2005 where you had three running backs in the first round. But I do think there is going to continue to be an increased emphasis on how do we get that position of football, be it running or throwing. And if there is one guy that is able to do that, it's B. John Robinson. So could I see, you know, everybody talks about wide receiver. If you draft a wide receiver at 12, best case, he's catching 80 passes, right? Best case, mm. B. John's catching 55 to 60. And that many? Give you, and giving you 1,200 yards rushing. Wow. Wow, that's a lot. I mean, if he's that guy. So even if he's... Uh, 45 to 50, 900 yards rushing. Do you get more value out of B. John Robinson than you would at a wide receiver right there? The more I think about it, the more I'm like, hmm, yeah, maybe I do. And, yes, I want to – oh, you don't drop the running back in the first round. That's always been my thing. You don't drop the running back because there is definitely value later. This is B. John. I mean, Mark, ask me my, ask me my top two in the Harris 100. Top two in the Harris 100. Go. Bryce Young. B.J. B. John Robinson. All right, tell me this about Robinson. Coming into the draft, Saquon Barkley, B. John Robinson, higher-rated prospect. B. John. Wow. B. John's – Saquon Barkley coming into the league, they have the same – you know, all those things I talked about, building catch ball in the backfield, um, you know, could pick up 900 yards, 1,200 yards. 
Bijan's a much more consistent runner picking up positive yardage than Saquon was. Saquon was like yard, two, loss, loss, 80 yards. Bijan's going to be five, seven, five, 12, 80, five, 12. He is very, he is a positive yardage monster. Saquon came into the league and he was more the highlight reels. He was going to make that highlight reel run, but he would struggle getting the five to seven yard runs that Bijan Robinson picks up regularly. And I think Bijan Robinson, not say that Saquon isn't. I think Bijan Robinson is a tough dude. I, I guarantee you in that Texas game, uh, sorry, Alabama game, of course it's a Texas game. In the Alabama game, he hurt his shoulder. I'm almost, I'm a thousand percent positive. Because he went into the game, and at one point he went out, and I remember him kind of going off, and it looked like he was a little not right. And when he came back on, he had this, that black KT tape on his shoulder. Yeah. And you could tell he wasn't right, and yet he gutted out that game. He gutted out the rest of the year. He is, like Saquon, that he is pristine off the field, tremendous character. He would be our kind of guy. I don't think there's any question. And you put him with Damian Pierce, and here's the other thing, Mark. You can put him with Damian Pierce in the game at the same time. Ooh. And that, I've always said, is, I think, really, really important and very, very cool. And if there was a team that found a way to put a couple of ball carriers in the backfield the last few years, it's the San Francisco 49ers. Right. And so hopefully Bobby Sloak learned a few things, and you could play a couple of your best weapons at the same time. Okay, another question that's been on my mind. Jackson Smith and Jigbub hurt last year. Business decision or not, that's irrelevant to this particular question because we talk about players like Tyree Wilson. Got hurt last year, didn't finish the season. Some people are holding that against him. Derek Stingley Jr., some people held that against him. The Texans picked him anyway, obviously got hurt, but I don't know if that's related or not. It happened, though. Are, t- are not enough people making a big deal about Jackson Smith and Jigba's injury situation last year? It seems like everyone's just overlooking it. And, oh, you got to take this guy if he's there at 12. So many mock drafters say that. Your thoughts? Yeah, it, it's an interesting thought, Mark. I hadn't, I hadn't gone in that direction yet, but I do think it's been brought up in draft rooms for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I don't question that for a second. Uh, I think he's probably been pushed on it. Um, he has probably had to answer for it. He's probably had to ask, you know, answer. I mean, how many over 30 visits he made? How many ever interviews he did at the combine? I'm sure he had to, to, to discuss that. I think when you, when you talk about injuries, you know, a guy has one, hmm, I don't know, guy has two, okay, now he's injury prone, especially when it's two and four years. So you're right, it probably should be brought up, but I think once it's, done a couple of times then you're kind of like mm. you know Tajay Spears is one of my favorites he had two ACL te- uh two ACL injuries at Tulane missed two years uh had two season ending injuries at Tulane so you know even that guy who I love you'd have to kick the tires medically big time and it's the one area Mark and I sometimes within Jigba Smith and Jigba it's you know you can pinpoint okay he missed the whole year he didn't you know he didn't play but with injuries, it's always mysterious in some sense. I think the worry about Tyree is that because we haven't seen him do anything athletically since the injury, it's still kind of a concern. Like, okay, well, when is he going to be ready? When can we see him do some things? Smith and Jigba came back, worked out. Sting was able to do a workout 
late in the process, but he was able to do a workout. And so I think that allayed some fears. But I think with Tyree, when you have that injury that lingers, not lingers, but but hasn't been cleared yet, mm. and you've had multiple ones, I think that's when the questions really start. I think seeing Jackson Smith and Jigba at the combine and going, okay, that looks like the guy we saw. Hopefully that injury's in the rearview mirror. With Derek Stingley, I think if we had seen Sting at the combine last year where everybody could have seen that workout, I think everybody would have probably maybe not gotten to the Jackson Smith and Jigba love, but I think people would have been, yeah, all right. He looks physically like I remember him. All right. Let me ask you this now. And I'm going to go in no particular order here with draft questions. That was one of them that I had. What's the first trade? What's the first slot to get traded on Thursday? Maybe it happens before Thursday. Who knows? But what's, and I know you have pre-draft trades. We get it. But there's a difference between something that would happen today and something that happens on draft night. Even when does the window open on a draft night trade in your mind? That day, a half hour before, you can answer that, but also answer this. What's the first slot to go whenever that window opens? Is it Arizona? Is it the Seahawks? Who's going to make the move first to drop down or maybe even move up? Well, obviously, if one of those teams is dropping down, somebody's moving up. You tell me. I think it very easily could be us at two. Ooh. Here, here's what's interesting to me, and this is – I've thought, I've thought about this. On You know, you've got 10 minutes. 10 minutes, you can have a substantive discussion. I don't think there's any question. But how often do substantive discussions happen? And then it's kind of an if-then. Like, hey, if our guy is there, we're not going to do this. Or we are going to do this. So, you know, if for some reason there's upset at one, the Panthers take somebody other than Bryce Young – have the Texans said, okay, look, if Bryce Young goes or is not there, we'll do a deal. But all of a sudden, Bryce Young is there, so, hey, no deal. Um, I don't know if that, you know, something like that could happen. I think that the chalk would be Arizona at three. That Arizona's talked about moving out the, the entire time. And when you look at Arizona's roster, there's no J.J. Watt, there's no Zach Allen, DeAndre Hopkins potentially traded. Uh, Buda Baker asked for a trade the other day. Arizona needs bodies they need elite players um, that thing turned over quickly they went from being like 708 no in 2021 and all of a sudden holy smokes they're trading number three overall pick because they need players they need mm. depth uh, i think that's absolutely in play my gut tells me that two will stay I, I, i'd love to be able to trade back it's just finding that trade partner that will sit there and say hey, we want this particular player, or let's say it's a quarterback. And if they're discussing with the Texans, then they have to, in some sense, like you've said many times, they have to question themselves, wait a second, if they're willing to trade with us, what is it that they know? And does that then have a team backing off of that trade? So, yep. uh, you know, that, I, so I think two could be at least at three, you know Arizona's not taking a quarterback. So I think you could get a trade done with three. I think the first spot is Arizona. Who that is, whether it's Las Vegas, because they have former Patriots guys in the building, I could see that. It could be a lot of teams with Arizona at that point moving up. Uh, it could be the Vikings. I, I had the Vikings in one of my mocks trading up. I've seen the Vikings trading up a lot. There's been a lot of smoke around the Vikings and quarterback. 
Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings do something on draft night. Maybe not 23 or 22, wherever they are, to three, but maybe they get to number seven. You know, maybe the Cardinals do the twice move down thing. They move to seven, then they move to 21. I mean, I, you know, who knows? Um, but I think the Vikings somehow get in this because I don't think Kevin O'Connell is all that that hot on Kirk Cousins. And, oh, by the way, if Kirk Cousins is for sale, what about the San Francisco 49ers? Ooh, with uh, Brock Purdy him. still on the mend. Yeah, they they know Kirk Cousins pretty well. Yeah, they days do. In Washington? I don't know. They do. Okay, what about quarterback? Let's bring it up. Who's going to fall the most among the top five QBs? Who drops the most in your estimation? Because I have an opinion on this, and it might not – I don't think it's a hot take, but I'm going to tell you who it is. It's Richardson to me. I think teams are going to look at Hooker and say, you know what, I'll wait it out. There are enough teams out there who can wait a minute until they start Hooker. They can wait a few weeks or whatever it's going to take for that knee to be proven steady. And Richardson is a big wild card. Sure, he could be all that. He could be Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton had a baby, like I said. But he could also be, eh, it's not working out the way we thought. He's a little shaky, throws picks. He does, you know, who knows how it goes? They could all be like that. But I got a feeling it's going to be Richardson who drops. I could be wrong. What are your thoughts? Interesting. Now, when you say drop in relative, you know, yeah. relative to their, you know, initial, you know, thought. Right. You know, there's been a lot made about Anthony Richardson getting a top four. I mean, I've got him at 25 in my Paris 200 now. That's a drop um, to me. If he goes 25th and drop, you're right. What's the context? It's the media pundit context. Right, it's right. not, you know, you evaluate these guys. You have your board and everything. But a lot of us are just taking shots at this stuff, Johnny. The old-fashioned way. Shooting yeah, from the hip. I think I think there's a chance that, that CJ drops a little bit. Um because, you know, look, if the Texans don't take CGA at two, you know, maybe all of a sudden, you know, it, it ends up, you know, we've seen some crazy things in the draft. You remember the Laramie Tunsil? There's this video, and all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm not taking him. Are you taking him? No, we're not taking him. Are you taking him? I'm not taking him. Are you taking him? And all of a sudden, Laramie falls to number 13 or whatever the pick was in the Miami Dolphins. Can you imagine sitting there at 12, and all of a sudden CJ Stroud falls in your lap at 12? I mean, mm. I don't think that could happen especially with Tennessee Atlanta at eight Las Vegas at seven which apparently is where he said he um he's wanted to go because he loves Devontae Adams so if he were to fall to 12 my goodness I think you know what to answer your question Mark here's the way I'm gonna answer your question yep all of them <laughs> all of them no except for Bryce, except for I, Bryce. I, I think Bryce goes one and I do think that there ends up being this is this is one of my bold predictions that there ends up being this sort of uh, we don't want him you take him well no we don't want him you take him and all of a sudden it just gets passed and people are sticking with their picks and it has kind of a draft day sort of thing and Bo Callahan's available at the seventh <laughs> Bo yeah and I think it happens to all of them I think Shroud Richardson Levis there's there's a part there's a part of me that thinks they're all gonna fall. In some way, shape, or form. The, you know, I, I had a, draft, a mock draft with them going one, two, three, four. I'm now thinking that I think there's a potential for three of them to go in the top 12. Mm. Okay. Instead of four in the top four. 
Johnny, so take that as falling or not. I think that's the way I would go with it. Johnny, on your uh, website, footballtakeover.com, you have a draft guide, and it's free. It's free for the people. The yeah. people can learn more, can get a snapshot view of different things about the draft. How can they get it, Johnny, for free? It's very easy. Just go to footballtakeover.com and hit the download button. Boom. Done. It's right. You scroll down right to the middle. You got the latest, all my articles and videos and stuff. And then right there in the middle, you'll see it. You click it. You click the download, and it downloads to your phone. It downloads to your computer, and you have it right there. It's got uh, links to uh, a couple of uh, probably like three or four film studies of Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Uh, you can read those. Um, it's got 200 scouting reports. I did every single team's team need by position, rank the priority for each team, and I've even got an early look at, to- uh, at the uh, top 32 for 2024. Ooh. So, um, you know, when people say, you know, well, you don't know what's out there next year. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I, I kind of do. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's free. Um, okay. The only, the only, the only payment, if you will, is as I've asked, is you know, subscribe to my YouTube page and sign up. You know, follow me on Twitter. That's it. That's the only price you have to pay to get 300 pages of goodness and research. Uh, for your uh, for your draft love, if that's the way to look at it. All right, I was thrown this question because we've brought up other draft prognosticators. I shouldn't say other because you're not really a prognosticator. You're an evaluator. Is that a yeah. good way to put it? You're an yeah, evaluator, it. and like it's that. infotainment. It is. Yeah. But tell me this, because I brought up other guys who follow the draft heavily, and sometimes you've eye-rolled to the point where the eyeballs are doing 360s, they're doing flips and they're going in different directions and everything. I've seen some eye rolls from you when I bring up other names like Mel Kuyper or people like that. Not that you're taking <laughs> shots at Mel, but Johnny, it was asked of me, who do you like? Who do you respect out there as a draft evaluator? There must be somebody who meets with your approval. You know, Lance Aron, Lance and I have been, you know, we've been brothers for a long time. And so we, I don't want to say we see things through the same set of eyes, but you know, we, we grew up together doing everything. So I, I respect uh, Lance I- incredibly. I love Dane Brugler. I think Dane, you know, it's funny because the three guys I love to mo- the most are guys that I just love being around because I think they're great dudes. And the three guys would be Lance Airline, Dane Brugler, the athletic and Daniel Jeremiah. Those are the three. I love, I, I just love those guys because they're great guys. Um, they're fun to talk to. They're funny. Um, you know, Dane was a guy that, as, as Lance Hour put stuff together, he started coming on the scene and has risen to, to great heights. And I'm, you know, he's – I'm sort of proud of what he's done, you know, uh, because for a long time when Lance and I were doing it here in Houston, there were, you know, some others kind of watching what we were doing and they were, you know, doing their thing after that. And Dane has done that and taken it to a completely different level. But, but DJ, it's interesting when you hear him and you, you, you listen to him you feel like there's no errors. He's just a straight up, honest, you know, just good dude. And then you meet him and you realize he's an even better dude. Mm. So to me, those are the three, um, not to leave, you know, anybody out of that crew, but those are the three to me that I, 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 I respect more than, than any other. Um, those three guys, I think there are some guys that are up and coming. Jordan Reed at ESPN, I think is, is pretty good. And, uh, you know, Dane, I guess age wise kind of fits in that group, but, I, those are the three that I respect, and I think I respect them a lot because they're not always right. They just tell you what they think. And mm-hmm. I think that's important. It's an important distinction because I think a, a lot of people get into this, and they're like, no, I'm right. 
I'm right. And it's like, mm, this is what I think, and this is what I believe, and this right. is what I've based it on. And I, you know, I used to be one of those, no, I'm right kind of guys. You know, early when I did this, and I realized, you know, that turns people off, and I don't, I don't want to be that way. And that's not me. I don't, I don't want to be like, look at me. I, you know, I don't want to do that. And so I kind of, I get that thought with Dane and C, with uh, Dane and DJ and with Lance. So that's why I like those guys, and I hope that I can be kind of part of that from the standpoint of just a you know good old football guy who loves the game and loves to talk about it and loves to share it with the people and hopefully that's what people see they see that love come through with the draft guide okay i won't tell mel kuyper or todd mcshay you said this okay good Sorry. next up drew doherty visits with jerry hughes are we going to talk about the defense how dare we it's texans radio it's Texans Radio, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Before we get back to the conversation with less than a week to go before the draft now, Drew Doherty visited with Jerry Hughes out at ProVision. This is a great school in Sunnyside run by former NFL QB, QB, CB, cornerback Roynell Young. Does an amazing job with these students out there. And Drew visits with Jerry Hughes on campus. It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody loves a cool new pair of shoes. And this guy, Jerry Hughes of the Houston Texans, defensive lineman, gave away a lot of new shoes. Now, what prompted this generosity here at ProVision Academy today? You know, this is a, a school that uh, it, it really spoke to me, what they're doing in the community, how they are reaching out to the uh, youth, getting them involved. you got a faculty that is preaching education and is really highlighting on knowledge, is touching on, you know, the STEM as well as the technology aspect of it, things that these kids are going to need to, one, better them in the future as they get ready because, you know, technology is here. And then, two, you know, just to continue to provide a, po a positive morale for them. I mean, that's just something that we all need, especially for our youth in today's world. I mean, it was a tough year as a whole uh, for the team. You were a bright spot. All those sacks. What do you do this offseason to build on what you did in 2022? You know, just got to keep building up the team. You know, we're a very young base. A lot of the guys are still learning how to be a pro, and I think that that's great that, you know, they have myself, they have Case, they have uh, Robert Woods. They brought in some veterans who know how to win and know how to just have a successful uh, season. So I think that's just going to be great for our young franchise so that we can continue to win games. Yeah, you've always been optimistic since you got here. You're an optimistic person by nature. What you've seen before the draft, what's got you even more optimistic? You just named a couple names, but why are you – bullish on the future, so to say. Uh, just what Nick has been doing in the offseason, going out, getting veterans who are pros. They know how to take care of their bodies. They're here in the building already with the uh, voluntary offseason, and that just trickulates down all through our young team. You know, we got guys like Christian Harris and Jalen Petrie who kind of sees these vets of Jimmy Ward who's, you know, in the ice tub after workouts, doing those little small things that you hear your coach might say. It might not resonate as well as when you have an actual player who's doing it and who's, you know, just in your ear already talking football. I think that's just going to make our team great. When you have young guys who are thinking ball, working together, who are excited to work together you know that that team chemistry that you need to go out there and play well that's what we're going to have early on you've done this at a really high level a time or two or three or four yeah, yeah. how invigorating is this time of the year off-season conditioning when you get back together with your teammates after a little bit of a layoff it's exciting everybody's had their off-season so now you just get to hear about where everyone's been you know we got guys who are from all over the country so guys get to tell you about what they've done you know for me I'm a homebody I got kids in school so uh I play dad I play that dad role try to do it well it's been fun for me but it's just a good a good time for us to kind of relax mentally but you know when we come back here the one thing I love is that everybody's eager to work people aren't shy about that and that's what you need when you want a team or an organization to win that's exciting news to hear we'll finish things with this how 
tuned in to the NFL Draft Weekend are you? Oh, man, I mean, how can you not be tuned in? The NFL is now traveling around from city to city. I'm fingers crossed hoping that we can get it pretty soon. So, I mean, this is going to be really excited. I know we're going to make some awesome picks. We're going to get some guys who are going to contribute to this team early and, you know, turn it around for us. Jerry Hughes, thanks so much for the time. Can't wait to talk with you again. Thanks for having me. There's Drew with Jerry Hughes on the campus of ProVision, the school in Sunnyside. What an amazing place. I really encourage you to learn a lot more about it. A lot of people we know are on that board, like Rick Smith and Jeff Van Gundy. Anyway, Johnny, Jerry Hughes, one of several contributors on the defensive line, which I think is already in reasonable shape heading in to the draft, but it's going to be exciting. And we were talking about a guy named Taylor Stallworth, who was also out there at ProVision, who played for like a minute last year, but man, he flashed. So you're thinking maybe he could do some things this year along with the rest of the crew they have. I think up front there are some hidden gems here maybe. And when I say hidden, maybe not from us, but from the rest of the world, from the rest of the league anyway. Absolutely. I mean, the the three additions, I call Taylor Stallworth an addition because it was late in December. We only got him for one game. But I was, I've been a fan of Stallworth for a while. So you had Stallworth to Rankins to Ridgeway to Malik and Roy and Thomas Booker and Kurt Heinisch. And that interior goes up five notches. And you're like, okay, it's not, not perfect. But I think just, just when you feel like it's right, that's when you know you need more. When you know you need more, you need a lot. And so I think last year was like, okay, we need more. So we needed a lot. Well, we brought in three excellent, stout, thick, quick, agile interior guys. The edge, we're not as, we're not as deep, especially with experience. Now, Jerry's got a lot of it. There's no doubt. Chase Winovich has never played for the Texans before. But I was, a, I was a fan of his coming out of Michigan. And then you throw in you know, guys like Damone Harris, Derek Rivers. Man, if Derek Rivers could ever stay healthy, my goodness. He might be arguably mm. your best pass rusher. Yeah. The way he moves and how quick and agile and throws hands. I mean, he's incredible. I still think you need a little more, which means you need way more. So I do think the edge spot, um, you need somebody that can impact the game on day one. You bring that guy in and you're like, yo, okay, I see it. I get it. Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson, Miles Murphy, Lucas Van Ness. Um, you know, guys in this, you know, second round and later, Felix Anudike Zoma from Kansas State, Isaiah Foskey. You know, somebody that when that guy rolls in, you're like, okay, he's fixing to change the game on the outside. Mm. And so I do think on the edge, there's, there's a little something needed. But it's interesting kind of watching. And as I was going through my evaluations on the interior, I'm like, yeah, I like this guy, but I don't know. I came to the realization I don't think it's as great an interior draft and especially if Jalen Carter is not, you know, a Texans kind of guy because of some of the off the field stuff, then you're really limited on what's there uh, for, on the interior. So going out and getting guys that you know, Son Ridgeway in free agency, I think was big. I think it was huge. And so hopefully uh, that comes to fruition and those guys call stay healthy and play. And again, the one thing I bring up, especially with the defensive line, is what Nick told us draft night. We sat down with Nick and we're looking at our edge roster and we're like, Nick, you know, we really didn't do anything, bro. Like, and he said, don't worry. He gave us the, the Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. Relax. <laughs> got a few things coming. And then Monday, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, mm. Rasheem Green, all signed. Like, okay. That was big. Wow, all right. And so you got to sometimes give some things time to work out. 
Um, and I know there's one position in particular everybody wants to work out yesterday, but we just have to kind of play it out. But I'm kind of I'm excited about what this defensive line can do, Mark, especially projecting a player or two at an elite level, elite level in the draft coming to the Texans. That could start getting some get pretty fun again. All right, Johnny, I've got stories from Jalen Petrie and Damian Pierce about their drafting or getting drafted experience. Uh, and I'm still here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio waiting for Taylor Swift to walk in and ask me to play guitar for her tonight. I don't think that's going to happen. I'll be waiting a long time for that. But since I just brought her up, is she the greatest female singer-songwriter ever? And who's your favorite in that category? Well, it's Sade, there's no question. Ooh, Laramie you Tunsil went right to I it. Have, yeah, Sade, uh, Larry, Larry Tunsil and I have that in common for sure. Um, and the fact that we spent some time in and around Jacksonville, Florida. So we've got that. So we've got a couple things in common, LT. Um, but Sade is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But I don't – it's hard to argue with Taylor Swift, man. I mean, just the economics, the Swifties. I mean, you know, it's hard to not include Beyonce in that, obviously being in Houston and just seeing the fervent fan bases of both artists. Mark, that's incredible. Yeah. To just see – how devoted the fans are to each of those two uh, wonder, wonderful artists in Taylor Swift and Beyonce. So those would probably be the two, I would say. Uh, Madonna, except, uh, you know, I don't know. I was, I was never a big Madonna fan, so. Yeah, I, I, I look at. Taylor Swift, I'm okay with. I look at Taylor a little differently because she's such a writer, you know, and I'm not saying she's the greatest writer, but she's written a lot of good catchy tunes and she's more of a writer than the other two you mentioned. So I give her a little bit there. I love the fact that she pulled Carly Simon on stage in Foxborough once upon a time, but you know, I'm going old school now. Yeah, she did because Carly lives, I guess, Martha's vineyard. She flew her over. I don't know how it all went down, but they sang you're so vain together. And look, I love that because I'm a throwback anyway, coming up draft night stories, Jalen Petrie, Damian Pierce Pierce's was during the day. Let's get to it next here on Texans radio. All right, final segment is a fun one here on a Flashback Friday. Should I call it that? I'll explain in a moment. We're going to get draft day stories from Damian Pierce and from Jalen Petrie. And let's start it off here with Damian Pierce, who will be a guest on an upcoming podcast with Jonathan Alexander. He actually recorded that podcast here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. And Jonathan with the Chronicle doing a great job covering the Houston Texans. So this will be released soon enough. But here's a tidbit for you as Jonathan asks Damian Pierce about his draft day story. I probably got one of the the calmest draft stories to date. Like the morning of draft, I think the first pick of the fourth round had went. And then my brother come to my room like, hey, you know the draft? Though? I'm like... Oh, jump! That is like mm-hmm. I, I forgot. Like I forgot I could get pit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dang! I hope I ain't missed no calls. So I wake up, and I had no missed calls on that. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? We chilling pretty, pretty calm, pretty calm morning. Me and my brother, me and my brother, my mama and sister living room. I get a call, but it's not from the Texans, so it's from my grandma. So my heart dropped. I was like, oh man, it grandma, man, this is what grandma wants. So grandma talking to me. Mm-hmm. We on the porch. We on the porch. And then, you know, on iPhone, I go, boop, boop. I said, I said, Houston Tins. I said, hold on, Grandma, I got to call you, bite. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I answered the phone. It's Nick. Yeah. You know, Nick topping up with me. Then Coach Lovey topping up with me. And then I hang up. 
So I don't keep in mind, I don't tell my, my mom and them don't know that I got the other car. So all they know is I got the car from my grandma and I went on the porch. So I come in cool, calm, collected. Yeah. <laughs> Damien Pierce running back Florida. Everybody go stupid. Everybody go stupid. So I go on the porch. Soon as I'm on the porch, my little brothers from next door. Yeah. Everybody, they all on me, man. That's how my shirt came off. <laughs> Everybody over me, like, ah, the whole neighborhood and came out, man. And then, so about from the time I got the call to 30 minutes after the call, it went from four people to about 85 people in my yard. 85 people in your yard? Yeah, and then we just, you know what I'm saying? We had, that was my draft party. <laughs> <laughs> we just, and we just carried over all that excitement and threw them to, into my yard. And, hey, yeah. Rest history. Uh, there's good stuff from Jonathan Alexander and Damian Pierce. That podcast with Jonathan Alexander and Damian coming out soon enough. Follow Jonathan Alexander at the Chronicle platforms, cron.com, etc. All right, Jalen Petrie. He is in the mix, too, in this draft day conversation. Now, this was a Friday night last year, second rounder. You know him, Baylor, Stafford. We've got a big feature coming out on Jalen Petrie in our Texans draft special, which will be next week. I'll have more on that later. But what about Jalen Petrie's draft night story? To be honest, I was really calm. You know, the first day I was at the house with my family and we were eating good, we were chilling, and we was able to watch that first day. And after the first day, it kind of started getting a little nerve-wracking because I, I obviously wanted to be picked in the first day. But waking up that next day, you know, I was thankful that, you know, I was even in consideration to be, you know, to be able to be taken in the draft. So I was sitting down and then I ended up getting the call and it was, you know, it was different. You know, it was a different feeling going on. I cried and it was a very surreal moment for me and my family. Yeah, I'm not, I don't imagine you've cried too much lately, right? Um, no. I think that was the last time I cried, actually. What was the, the what was the house like? Where were you? Tell us about the setup. I mean, what time did people get there? What what did you guys do that second night, that Friday night? Yeah, so we were at my parents' house where I grew up um, my whole life, and it was a small group, a family, you know, people that you know helped me get to the point where I am. I tried to keep it real, you know, tight knit, and um, I actually ended up getting a call, and it was a Houston number, obviously, and I thought it was somebody kind of like just trying to get a hold of me, and I wasn't about to answer it at first. But then I'm like, let me just answer it, um, get it out the way, tell them that I'm waiting for a draft call, and it ended up being, you know, the Texans. So um, it was it was a crazy moment. So it wasn't one of those potential spam numbers? It didn't say spam. It actually said the number with the Houston Texans under it. So um, it was Nick, Nick and um, Lovey, and they told me that they was going to be taking me with the next pick and that they were, you know, grateful to have me here in Houston. You know, a couple jokes flew here and there about how I was 15 minutes away, stuff like that. But... Yeah, it was, it was a crazy moment. My family knew. My family knew actually before it went on the TV, obviously, because, um, you know, it happens a little bit earlier than it's, it's shown on TV. And uh, everybody was happy. You know, my parents were crying. It was, it was a surreal moment. Jalen Petrie on his draft night story. And that is going to be part of a draft special that we do following next week's draft. It'll air Sunday night, the day after the draft, on ABC 13, April 30th, 11 p.m. You don't want to miss that. Don't worry. I'll remind you. I'll remind you. You don't have to put it in your calendar right now. It will be brought up, brought to your attention once again many times next week and throughout our draft coverage because we're going to be in the thick of it one week from tonight, rounds two and three. All of the rounds will be carried live on Sports Radio 610 on Texans Radio. John Harris live for every hour of the draft. He doesn't even have to look stuff up. Somebody gets picked in round six, a backup center from 
a directional school in Nebraska. He knows who it is and who their parents were. It's amazing stuff to see. I can't pull him off the air ever because, you know, it's like taking a great player out of the game. You don't want to do that. Johnny Harris knows his draft stuff better than anybody. And his website, footballtakeover.com, has that free John Harris draft guide. So that's something you want to check out. I mentioned Flashback Friday because, you know, the other day I was out at the Taylor Swift merch tent and I posted something about that. I bought a shirt for my son's girlfriend. I figured, eh, you know, she might want something and he would look like a champ getting it for her. So I purchased that. Anyway, there's the dome right there. And I remembered I did a couple of events in the dome. When I moved here right away, I think it was week one or two, I did a South Main Chamber of Commerce luncheon, I believe it was called, with Bob McNair. And Lou Holtz was a special guest that day as well. And the very first, this is why it's relevant to what's going on these days, the very first Texans draft party was held in the Astrodome. On the floor of the Astrodome, the stadium wasn't complete yet, so they just did the draft party in the Astrodome. Why not? David Carr, of course, the number one overall pick for your Texans. We all remember Chester Pitts getting selected. How's it going, Chester? Jabbar Gaffney, Fred Weary, among many others. I think they had 13 choices in the very first draft in 2002. But that draft party was held at the Astrodome. The stadium would not be ready until around training camp. I mean, the first exhibition game, obviously, was the first event here at the stadium. And they might have been uh, throwing up a coat of paint a couple of weeks before that. You know how stadium and arena construction is. Anyway, that's going to do it for the show tonight. This will be up in podcast form on the Texans app, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. The Odyssey app as well, of course, from our friends at Sports Radio 610. You want to check it out again. Anything you miss with John Harris and I talking about the draft earlier on in the show. Have a great night, everybody. Go Texans!